In our modern society, businesses across the globe are taking a stand for ethics and beliefs they believe in, or at least that their customers believe in. Sometimes businesses are built around the idea of an ethical principle, such as the famous outdoor clothing brand Patagonia, or sometimes a company will make headlines for taking a solid stance on a controversial issue to demonstrate their support for a certain side, such as Nike. Now more than ever, business and ethics are two subjects that have never been closer. And to discuss this modern overlap between the two, we are joined by Natalie Nahai, an expert in psychology, persuasive tech, and human behavior, and the author of Business Unusual and Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion. In this episode, Natalie shares some basic lessons and ideas that underpin the psychological dynamics behind evolving consumer behaviors. She also explains how she helps people ethically apply behavioral science principles to enhance their platforms, content marketing, product design, and customer experience. I hope you enjoy today's episode. So I'm interested in the intersection between human behavior, persuasive technology, and ethics. And I've got a background in web design and the arts. And so what I try to do with my books, with the podcast, with my talks, is to teach people how to understand how to use behavioral science principles and practices in an ethical way to enhance their business. I love this because I think that the ethics and businesses seems to be so, I don't know, so much more tightly combined. And um, as someone that personally really believes that you vote with your your dollar, or well, I suppose not dollar, but whatever currency <laughs> you use, um, I think that it's incredibly important to know where businesses stand. And I think it's even more important for business to understand that they do need to, uh, I suppose, entrench more ethics in their actions. Um, exactly. So would you be able to tell our listeners a little bit about the books you've published, um, Business Unusual and Webs of Influence, The Psychology of Online Persuasion? Sure. So Webs of Influence is the first one. It's come out in a couple of editions. It's been translated into various languages, which is nice, um, including South Korean. Their book cover is so much more exciting than the one that we get in the West. Anyway, uh, that one's about the psychology of online behavior. So it looks at practices for marketing, communication, for product design. Um, it covers everything from issues around communication like cognitive load, processing fluency, mirroring of language, persuasive headlines, all the way through to cross-cultural differences, the use of color, which can be quite controversial and thorny on websites, the, the use of images. It's really um, an introductory roadmap to the principles that govern how we respond to virtual environments. And the second book, Business Unusual, came out in September 2021. And it was really written in response to what I felt were the bigger challenges of understanding what the main shifts have been in behavior in the preceding five, 10 years, but compelled by or catalyzed by the last two years of pandemic, um, isolation, technological adoption, etc. And so that really looks at ways in which to understand the deeper motivations driving consumer and employee behavior and how to meet those needs in a more comprehensive way. So all of it looks at human behavior and how we can meet our needs in a resonant and more fulfilling fashion. Fantastic. Now, I'm sure there's so much that we can break down here and get into, but I would really love to know if you are able to share some really basic lessons and ideas that underpin the psychological dynamics uh, behind evolving consumer behaviors. 
Yeah, sure. So we already knew previous to the pandemic that younger generations, so Gen Z, millennials and um, the centennials coming up, are much more primed towards sustainability concerns, towards social justice issues. And one example might be, for instance, that we know that around 62% of Gen Z who have started entering the workforce prefer to buy from sustainable brands. That's the same for millennials. 40% of millennials will, will take one job offer over another based on a company's environmental credentials, even if it means taking a pay cut. And these sorts of trends around social justice and environment issues are compounded by the fact that consumers born between 1981 and 2012 are actually going to make up 72% of the workforce by 2029. So that's in seven short years. And so if, if businesses and organizations are hoping to attract and retain uh, both customers and employees, they need to start realizing that they have to go beyond just giving people something which is fun to look at, fun to use, a good product or service, or, you know, a profit-based, extrinsically rewarded um, career, that it has to have something more purposeful, more eudaimonic, that, that has a greater sense of meaning or integrity to it. So that's really the, the core, <laughs> the core trend. And it extends upwards towards older generations who, for various reasons, most of which have been contextual, have not been able to demand that their deeper needs and values be met in their places of work and in the brands that they buy from. So this is really kind of a, a gear shift that we're seeing that is opening up the door for people to put their money where their mouth is. It's not only the right thing to do from the sounds of it, from the fact that it's ethical um, or ethically the right thing to do, but also sounds like it's future-proofing uh, the business in doing so. Yeah. I mean, you know, we know that, something around nearly half of people who are young in the younger cohorts have spoken up publicly in support or criticism of their employers' actions regarding societal issues. There is an expectation that brands step up in their roles as corporate citizens, that they steward the changes that communities, consumers, employees want to see. Because we know, for instance, that the speed and scale at which we need to tackle some of the biggest challenges we face, whether that's biodiversity loss, climate change, um, migration through conflict. In order to, to be able to confront that, we need to be able to move swiftly. And that really belongs in the realm of business. Governments are a bit slow. And so I think people are starting to sense that if they want to make change in the world, a good place to start is making a change in their business, where they buy, who they buy from, and who they work for. Yeah, sometimes I even think that that be more powerful than voting itself yeah but uh yeah it's definitely something to be considered now can you also share how you help people ethically apply behavioral science principles to enhance their platforms content marketing product design and customer experience sure so i think the main question when it comes to implementing any of these behavioral science insights which are brilliant and fascinating and fun is is a two-pronged approach which is basically could I do it? And should I do it? And these are very, very different questions. So rather than sort of apply the golden rule, which is do unto others as you would have done unto yourself. I mean, some people might not mind a certain degree of personalization for um, a, a reduced amount of privacy over their data, but other people are going to be much more sensitive to that. So I prefer the silver rule, which is don't do to other people what you would not do to yourself. And above all, give people the autonomy to be able to make their own choices. 
So if we're thinking about persuasive marketing or resonant communication, a good example of a brand that does this really well is Bloom and Wild, which is a digital first florist based in London. And they decided to put out some Mother's Day marketing. Obviously, it's a big festival for them. They make a lot of money at that time of year. And a few years ago, rather than just opt everybody in, because they'd received a few complaints by people, or actually it was more requests to be opted out, they decided to send out an, an email to their entire database saying, look, do you want us to opt you out of Mother's Day messaging? And just by sending that single cheap email, I mean, the intervention was very inexpensive, right? They had such a positive outpouring of support and well-wishing across social channels that off the back of it, they've created what's called the thoughtful marketing movement, which is to give people, yes, persuasive, engaging, resonant communication and marketing messages, but also the power to choose what they're included in and what they want to opt out of. So it's, it's this balance between using content techniques, stories that are compelling headlines that are going to be captivating while also making sure that you're respectful of the autonomy of your customers to make their choices and to know what's best for them. Awesome. So I kind of understand this as like, initially I thought there might be a case of maybe you perhaps give some guidance on what it is or can not is or isn't perhaps ethical. But I suppose you just give more guidance on helping the, the company decide on their own terms, if it is or isn't ethical. Is that correct? Yes, I think more more than that, it's kind of, it's getting people to ask the question in the first place. Because I think a lot of companies, and it's not usually through any malice, right? It's usually that there are incentives placed upon teams where they need to increase their conversion rates. And so if you're just working with very data-driven or quantitative metrics, which is looking at conversion, click-through rates, um, impressions, et cetera, it's really hard a, to ascertain the quality of that attention and B, to ascertain whether it has strengthened the consumer relationship over time or not. And so we know from psychological research that trust is one of the most fundamental ingredients to flourishing relationships. And to have trust, you have to have transparency. And you also need to give people a sense of autonomy and competence and relatedness. And so to try and kind of encourage companies to better approach with greater skill and greater nuance the questions that they have around what they should be measuring or what they should be optimizing for my role is to go into an organization and to tell them about these deeper qualities that we need to consider so that then when they are engaging in marketing campaigns they can bear these things in mind and do their own research because it also remains to be said that you know some some of us uh, are quite happy to give up a certain amount of data and to have complete personalization and for others that's going to be quite an uncomfortable experience and you can't come up with a one-size-fits-all solution so it's really about having an awareness cultivating an awareness within teams to say okay how do we give people a greater sense of possibility so they themselves can choose at what level to engage with us um, and to help create a cultural shift around how we approach quote-unquote the user so we humanize them and we don't just reduce them to kind of another number hopefully you're enjoying the show and if you are make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode you can find us on all your usual podcast sites spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, stitcher podcast addict and a whole lot more including youtube and we want to hear what you think so be sure to leave us a review just search brains bite back wherever you get your podcasts
I would also be curious to know if you've ever gone into an organization and you've encountered leadership or maybe individuals or, or perhaps even the company as a whole, maybe there's something in there the ethic or the mentality where you have found it to be maybe the ethics or their approach to ethics is a bit dubious. And if you've ever encountered that, like how, what has been your response and yeah, how have you handled that? Mm. So this is particularly interesting as a question when we're dealing with stigmatized taboo or potentially harmful products. So anything from alcohol to gambling, to tobacco. Um, and what I tend to find actually, which is quite interesting, and I found this quite early on, is that if you go into organizations where you're trying to kind of show people why and how people make decisions and encourage them to make user experiences that are going to be aligned with consumers' goals and not just their own goals, what I often find is that the questions around the hard topics come from the people themselves, come from the team members, and they might say, well, you know, I feel conflicted about um, promoting X, Y, and Z uh, because, you know, there's this much legal tape and we're not allowed to, to say whatever it might be, the extraditional information about the product. And then I personally see my role as, as kind of giving greater voice to that and saying, well, look, if you give people, if you don't give people the opportunity to understand the risks in which they're engaging, then frankly, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing because that's that's clearly unethical. I think for me, there do seem to be some very clear lines in the sand as well as certain gray areas. And I think the clear line is, you know, if, you, if you're hiding information, chances are you're doing it because it's not going to put you in a good light and you need to question why you're hiding it and probably be transparent about what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I think it's really about kind of unearthing the existing concerns people have and then reiterating back to them the reasons why they could adopt an approach to rectify those issues which is much more transparent and much more consensual with with the the benefit of the consumer in mind and not just kind of the bottom line and I, I don't know if I've given you enough of an answer does that does that feel like a that does no that does help and um i can understand those conversations must be difficult and i never even really considered i suppose i always considered more the mentality of leadership rather than the the topic or not the topic but the product or service that's being sold so that that makes absolute sense i mean like it's difficult especially like you mentioned tobacco or alcohol i mean just from my perspective <laughs> i think about this in the sense that I have some friends that smoke and you can buy cigarettes, single cigarettes anywhere here in Colombia. You can't do that in the UK. Um, I don't think that's legal. But I think to myself, like how harmful cigarettes are, but also the fact that most people who are selling these cigarettes on the street are like making their living from this. These are people mm -hmm. that like have a, there's a very informal economy here where a lot of people sell stuff on the streets. So I'm constantly conflicted with this, with the idea of I don't smoke personally. I don't have a problem with people that do smoke, but I am fully aware of the dangers of it. So I, I'm constantly toying with this in my mind. And even though I know it's not a direct parallel of what you're dealing with, but um, it's interesting because I just hadn't even considered uh, like alcohol, tobacco, any of these things when when asking this question. Mm -hmm. So um, you've definitely you've definitely enlightened me a little bit, and um, <laughs> I really enjoyed. Uh, I did enjoy your answer. So mm -hmm. don't worry, it's all good here. 
<laughs> but I mean, you point towards something which is, you know, we live in such complex systems that it's rarely a binary. There's there's rarely a binary answer to these questions, right? Because there's always so many considerations to to bring into mind. So I think it's often a case of how do we minimize risk while maximizing the opportunity for people in a way that is hopefully serving the greater well-being. But I mean, obviously, that's a very naive perspective for me to take. I know that a lot of businesses are not prioritizing that, that it's, you know, about extraction and et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, systems are complex. And I think it's it is good, like you say, to be reminded of that and not to just jump to simple, simple conclusions. Mm -hmm. no, it's complex. Definitely. It's not it's not in black or white situation. Now, um, I'd also love to learn a bit more about the valuemaps.com that you created can you share with our listeners um like essentially what it is really yeah sure so the values map is a companion tool that i designed with dr kiki leitner at goldsmiths university and it complements business unusual the book so what i found in researching the book as I, you know, researching many of these topics, is that the theory is very exciting and it's fun. And when we talk about values, people's eyes light up. But then when we think, all right, well, so what? How do I use this? What do I practically do with this information? It can be quite tricky to put into practice. And so the values map is an online tool. It's completely free and it's designed to help people identify, develop and communicate the psychological values that their business represents and what it strives to achieve for its employees, its customers and the wider world. So it, it basically draws upon scientific research from Shalom Schwartz, who created the basic theory of human values, which is a fascinating framework. And then this questionnaire gives you a bit of a sense of kind of an archetype that's more for fun, but then it breaks down in detail how your values can be expressed through company culture or how to enhance your marketing and communications. Um, and it provides sort of science-based but pertinent insights based on what you've put in in the questionnaire to help you express those values more successfully throughout your business. I love the intention of that. And um, I really like the fact that it's just uh, the, the layout of the website is also really nice in the sense that it's just it's so clear and crisp. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I just really like it. And uh, yeah, I would highly advise anyone listening to go check that out. Now, I, I just have one last question for you. Um, and I'm really curious to know about your podcasting background, because I understand that you host the Hive podcast and uh, the Tech Weekly podcast for The Guardian. Um, what are some of the most interesting stories you've covered or inspiring guests you've spoken with on these podcasts? And what did you learn from them? So the Guardian Tech Weekly was a couple of years ago, but it was so much fun. And the, the Hive podcast is my own um, passion project, which I'm currently recording the next season for. It's just it's a wonderful, wonderful show to be involved in. Um, I think one of the most interesting, couple of the most interesting themes have spanned from um, nature connectedness and psychedelic research, looking into the effects of psilocybin on our sense of relatedness to the wider living web of life. That was uh, predominantly conversations with Sam Gandhi, Andy Letcher, and a few others on the show. And then the other the other themes that I've really enjoyed, and you'll probably sense uh, a bit of a pattern here, but is looking at culture, community, and ritual with Casper Takile, who is co-host of the award-winning podcast Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and he talks about how while in secular society 
we have less formal access to ritual, that nonetheless, through things like CrossFit or SoulCycle, we find other ways to get that need for community and ritual met in our day-to-day -day life. So I think these are just some of the kind of deeper, more, I guess, mythic areas that I like to explore in the podcast that maybe I don't get to do as much of in my day-to-day -day work. <laughs> I love the topic of the last one that you mentioned. Well, I love both of them, to be honest, but I definitely connect with that in the sense that it's come up a few times in the show where you do notice that there's certain like communities, even when we do live in secular lives, perhaps. One of the things that we mentioned in the past is almost, uh, we had an episode on uh, like diet and um, how almost diets are kind of like a new religion in the way, in the sense mm -hmm. that people who are perhaps subscribed to being like vegan or keto or whatever they they really do follow it and it's almost like a, a religious thing and you're, you're absolutely right with the fitness and exercise things i personally um i personally love to practice and train muay thai and jiu-jitsu and i i feel oh, wow. a huge connection with the, the people i train with and i noticed that like especially in jiu-jitsu specifically because of the gradings and the rankings and the respect you have for your teacher it is almost similar to like a religion or you could even say like it, it has like underlying like <laughs> i don't know it's got an underlying feel i don't want to say cult because cult has such negative connotations mm. but um i'm very much obsessed with like the psychology behind cults and i've had some conversations on this podcast around that and i i don't know i see that link it's kind of a tangent but um i love <laughs> i love hearing that and um we i actually had uh, a co-host that used to feature on this show and she did an entire series on here on psychedelics and being based here in Colombia, we're surrounded by like ayahuasca and mm. many of many of the people I work with many friends, they, they engage frequently in ayahuasca retreats. I've yet to try it. I have to admit I'm a bit nervous, but um, <laughs> with regards to other psychedelics, I've yeah. Um, other friends have gone on to be like a mushroom therapist. I know that's not the mm. correct term, but that's the first thing. But we know I what you mean when you say it. Term. Yeah. <laughs> And um, yeah, so I'm certainly surrounded by that. And even though it's not something that I necessarily would say, like I submerse myself in, I'm constantly surrounded by it. So I'm going to have to check out those episodes. And mm -hmm. I would highly encourage anyone listening to, to go do the same, as well as uh, thevaluesmap.com. But outside of those, is there anywhere else people can follow you or subscribe to you or keep up with the work you're doing? Thanks for the question. Um, so I am on Twitter and LinkedIn at Natalie Nahai. Um, my primary website is natalinahai.com and you'll be able to find everything on there, uh, including the hive. And um, just thank you very much for your really warm and incisive questions. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Oh, no, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you so much. Growing a company has many hurdles from securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search. Each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor Publicize comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases, whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high-quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Brains Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB.
This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at, at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.